Welcome to the girls' room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray, and with me I have my incredible co-host, Drew Haskins, and we have a very special guest with us. You know her as an actor, comedian, New York gal about town, and co-host of the hilarious podcast, Seek Treatment. It's Katherine Cohen. Welcome to the girls' room. Thank you so much. I feel so at peace being in the girls' room with y'all. It's a really comfortable space. I feel so, so serene. Amazing. As yeah. I was saying in our, our, our pre-show chat, I just, it was such a treat. I really haven't rewatched the show in many, many years. And it was just, I was shocked at like how every line is just more iconic than the last. It's so fucking funny and good. Yeah, and these two episodes specifically are like all killer, no filler. Every single word is just like packed with intent and meaning. It like every week I say this, but like Lena is such a genius. I cannot believe she she wrote the show. Like it's just it's unbelievable. I totally agree. And it's so I was it was so funny too. Like I was laughing out loud. I had forgotten about the scene where she's like shows up in the white dress to Ray's coffee shop. Yeah, <laughs> tackling a whole section on that. You said someone's gonna wipe blood on your breasts. I was, <laughs> dying. I was like, that is insane. It really is like an infinitely quotable show. I feel like writers don't do that anymore. I mean, that's uh, true, but TV isn't quotable anymore. I mean, I don't even watch TV. I'm like, what do I even watch anymore? I don't. I just listen to true crime podcasts and like jerk off and complain. Exactly. <laughs> Those are not quotable. Not in that order, but. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about your relationship with girls? Like, how did you come to the show? Oh, my God. Thank you for asking. I mean, it was really perfect timing. I remember vividly being in my, my like, first college boyfriend's twin bed and being like, I heard about this new show. I really want to watch it. And like turning on the first episode and just being like, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen someone with not a perfect body, quote unquote, perfect, like being naked and having sex and like having this fun, exciting life. And I was just immediately hooked. And so I basically every week in college, I guess that was like my, I guess it was like my sophomore or junior year of college. And then basically every week, yeah, my friends and I would get together on Sundays and watch the latest episode. I was just like devouring it. You have you rewatched it since the last time or like since that period? I don't know if I have. I, I might have like seen clips, but I definitely haven't. It's almost like it's like too special to me. I'm like, I know if I start, I'll just get like, I was getting emotional even watching it last night for this just because it's it's such a specific time in in it was a specific time in my life and in their lives. And like just watching the show unfold and being like, God, it, it is so crazy to be young and alive. And also yeah. just like. I know everyone makes fun of it now, or I think like now people are coming around, but it's just like, fuck off. This has given us so much. And anyone who says it's bad is literally just jealous because she had the idea first. Bye. Actually, I feel like we're having kind of a girl's renaissance now where people are remembering the power of this show. But well, it's, it's been on so long. I'm like, how old even am I? The ultimate question. <laughs> a few weeks ago, we talked about how girls had not really done like the TikTok revival in the same way that like sex in the city has where people are circulating clips and the minute i said that like in the two weeks since then like my entire TikTok feed is girls really i just saw someone just sent me the clip where she's like (laughs) 
he's like, don't roll your eyes. And she's like, I was looking at a cloud formation that looks like Blake Lively. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I, so what was your last rewatch, like, when you started watching recently for this show? Yeah, yeah, I watched it last night. And um, yeah, I was just like laughing out loud alone in my apartment. And I was tearing up. I was like, damn, a lot of the things she's feeling, I'm like, oh God, I know that feeling so well. And she does such a great job of encapsulating those experiences. Yeah, it's been harder to watch the show now at the age or like a little older than they are when like, at the time of filming and stuff, just because uh, it, the show has so much more resonance as like a mid to late twenty something than it does like, you know, I like Julie and I were in like junior year, senior year of high school when this season came out. And oh, well, yeah, wait till you're thirty one like me. Wait till you're half have one foot in the grave like me. It'll be even more resonant, Drew. <laughs> I also feel like she just makes. I mean, she's a she's a narcissist, but she makes that she she we see the narcissist in all of us when we see it in Hannah. We do. And also like we see it called out by the other characters throughout the show. So I know people complain about that, but I'm like, the show is self-aware. Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. I'm, I, totally I love, like, I know I, well, the, the, you know, the amazing, actually the line that I was so glad was in this episode. Cause I think about it all the time was she's like, there's nothing someone can say about me that I haven't thought about myself or said to myself in the last like five minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's in one of these episodes. Yeah. That was, I was so glad it was because that, that's like something that has stuck with me since originally watching the show. I'm like, that's so true. Like this self-obsession, this like, you know, oscillating between self-obsession and self-hatred is like, you know, the, dare I say, modern condition. What keeps us alive. Also, the line where she says, um, he says, you think you know struggle because you're what, 11 pounds uh, overweight? Yeah. <laughs> Another oh line God. that stuck with me. I'm 13 pounds overweight. And I'm like, you know what? It is hard to be 13 pounds overweight. It doesn't make it easy. (laughs) And so how does the show kind of hold up in your eyes? Are you still, I mean, clearly you have positive feelings towards it. Yeah, I think it's incredible. Um, I'm trying to think, yeah, like it's the dialogue is just so funny. It's so well acted. It's like, it's also, it's not trying it is profound, but it's not trying to be profound. It's also just, I was struck by how funny it is too. I'm like, oh, this is a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is like a joke a minute in a way that I feel like all the retrospectives don't really give credit to. Like yeah, she, absolutely. she's such a good writer of the human condition, but like as an actual comedian, she's just like so incisive. And like making people's like personality not disorders, but like the, those flaws like that, like that's not easy to do. I know it's so well done. Every character is so, I'm like, everyone's like, I know that person. I know that person. Oh, I love the part where, (laughs) well, first of all, I love, um, what's his name from the Sopranos being the hot teacher. Incredible. Christopher Maltesanti. What's his name? Michael Imperioli. He's the fucking best. And I love watching her when she's like, and then he died. (laughs) we're we're getting all into that later i oh my god that episode just a great penultimate scene absolute what um 
how do you think Lena has influenced your work? I know you've spoken about her before. Oh yeah. She's influenced my work majorly. I just, um, yeah, the conf- like, you know, very, very personal, confessional, um, not afraid to be obsessed with yourself. Like her whole conversation with Ray about how anything about herself would be trivial. And I'm, I've always just felt like as a reader and a writer, like I, I only want to read things that are very personal. If you don't have anything to say about it, if it's not your experience, I don't really want to hear about it from you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. I also, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. That's it. Just like, Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Something just popped up on my phone. Um, but yeah, I, I think, she's influenced my work in so many ways and all my peers and so many shows I've seen since then have tried to do what she's done and have not done it as well. It's not easy to walk the tightrope between like being this introspective and still trying to like convey narcissism effectively at the same time. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of skill to like get that balance together and she's so good at it. Totally. I also feel like, you know, to have a lead character who's so flawed and unlikable and yet you still can't stop watching or even like, I also loved how, you know, it, it feels, it honestly feels silly now talking about it like this, but when I know when it first came out, everyone was like, she's not conventionally attractive, blah, blah, blah. And yet all these men are still attracted to her. And it's like, yeah, that's what real life is. People are attracted to each other. No one looks like, I just, yeah, I'm going all over the place. Cause I feel like it just has informed so many of, my worldviews and yeah so like on a personal spiritual level which girl do you identify with the most (laughs) oh my i mean definitely not marnie definitely definitely wish i was jessa and in some ways like some of her sexual escapades i'm like that's a little bit me but i'm definitely not cool enough to be a jessa i think i'm very much a hannah um with the occasional Mm, no, I'm not a Shoshana. I think probably Hannah would like a sprinkle of Jessa on a sexy day. I can definitely see that. What do you guys, what do you guys identify as? I'm a Hannah Shosh cusp. <laughs> and Drew, Drew's a Marnie dies. It's like really unfortunate because You're like- Marnie I, what? Marnie till he dies. Oh, but wow. This is not something I would have said before like I started this rewatch because I, I haven't rewatched since it originally aired. Like I always kind of thought of myself as like a Jessa, honestly, but rewatching this first season, I like everything Marnie does. I'm like, yep, been there. And I don't love that about myself, but like I'm, I'm making peace with it. Like I'm definitely in the upswing of my relationship with like my Marnification. Well, I was definitely struck in these episodes. I'm like, oh, wait, Marnie is like in the right every time. And I thought, I remember thinking she was so annoying, but I'm like, no, she's, what she's saying actually makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, sh- should we get into the episodes, Julia? We should, yeah. I feel like that's a good jumping off point. Um, we watched episodes nine and 10 from season one for those just tuning in. Um, so that's Leave Me Alone and the finale, She Did. So I think we can start with Leave Me Alone and just go through each girl's storyline. Incredible. Amazing. Should we start with Hannah? Because I really want to talk about Tally Schifrin. Uh, Yes, Jenny Slate. Absolutely. Oh, my God. First of all, incredible name for this character. I know. I was thinking that. 
And Jenny Slate just plays this annoying, overconfident girl who gets what she wants so perfectly. She's so good. And she she has a line that made me laugh so much where she's like, I'm sorry, I completely have to poop. <laughs> that is so crazy. Like, this, like, Tally is definitely written a little bit zanier and a little bit less grounded than some yeah. of other characters on the show. But, like, she makes it work so well, though. Like... I don't I mean, Jenny Slate was doing a lot of these kind of like tally, like Mona Lisa on Parks and Rec type characters uh-huh. at this point. But she's like, I mean, it's perfect. Like, she's perfect at it. Like, I and the book being called Leave Me Alone with that like smudged, like ANTM, like eyeshadow and like black. I just I, perfect, perfect, perfect. It's so good. And it's so amazing how like, I mean, the the <laughs> how show she's like so in awe of the whole event. Oh, and when it comes out that Marnie actually th- finds her inspiring and listen to her on fresh air. Oh, <laughs> God. Like seething with jealousy, you know. Something that struck me about how much Hannah hates her in the scene is how kind of similar they are. Like they're not, neither of them are writing anything groundbreaking, but Hannah's saying, oh, she's so trivial. She's just like writing about her sexual escapades. And then lucky her, her boyfriend died. <laughs> Him and Jess is like, your boyfriend should die. You deserve it. <laughs> um, no, I felt it felt very real though in terms of like you moved to New York and some of your acquaintances or friends or or old classmates like blow up really fast and it's this very much like what the fuck am I doing wrong or like what did I do wrong that I, that's not me but it's just completely usually random. Mm-hmm. One thing I did like about this feud was like maybe another show would have Tally be this sort of like condescending above it person now that she's found success but like I love that she and Hannah continued petty feuding like I wrote down the line um Tally says to Hannah someone like you you're really sweating it and I really admire the effort to do something that is uh not the most natural to you (laughs) so funny oh my god it's so good yeah just the entire conversation where they're like trying to one-up each other she says oh do you have an agent talking about her agent and she says i don't have an agent but i have a boyfriend (laughs) that he lives in prospect heights (laughs) and then tally says hopefully he's hetero which is like (laughs) the funniest way to say straight i (laughs) i love another really good character name on the in this scene in this episode was um michael imperioli's professors named Owl goldman in like real yeah. Oh my also, god. Yeah. When she's like, "Oh, this New York mag reporter is stalking me," or whatever. Uh-huh. Oh. I I just love hearing her about the room. She says, "Like, I want to be so skinny that like people are like, do you have a disease?" <laughs> I know. I feel like that joke. I've heard that since then a zillion times. Yeah. In the same same way. Um. Yeah. I'd totally forgotten about like the professor storyline, and Marnie being like, "You should fuck him." Yeah, I feel like it's a just another point of Hannah squandering these opportunities, like in a romantic way, but also a professional way. Like, I know, that was brutal to watch. Oh, it's hard. He's asking her to do this reading that could be big for her, and she says, "Like, oh, I don't know. That you know, it's not really a me thing to do." And it's just like uh, the Hannah thing to do is to, as we see in the next scene, like go home to her boyfriend who she's unsatisfied with 
God, I really actually hated him so much watching it this time. Adam? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always was so enamored with him. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, oh, this guy's holding you back. He's such an asshole. But then he, he does have moments where he's, like, totally sweet. But I'm like, no, he's rude and and, and needs to work on himself. Yeah. We How used to extremely toxic phrase love bombing last episode <laughs> to describe oh. Adam. And I kind of think that's, like... It definitely continues, like, in the next episode, for sure, but it's, uh, yeah. yeah, I was surprised by how much I disliked him this season. Well, yeah, I'm also curious, because I haven't, you know, having not watched the previous episodes, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot, like, where they're at in terms of their relationship, but I guess we've watched him, what, be, like, a total jerk to her the whole season, right? Right, and then he just recently turned things around. He did the whole sorry mural um, and their boyfriend and girlfriend now after kind of this tumultuous uh, art, will they, won't they. Oh, um, God. But now we see him like totally holding her back, like you said, and saying, I don't want to go to this reading. It's stupid. And, you know, pe- they have biscuits and they expect you to eat the biscuits or whatever he says. Can but, you imagine a boyfriend? Who's like, she goes, you want to come to the reading? And he says, no. It's terrible. It's, uh, it's just him wanting to kind of bring her down to his level. Yeah, what's his deal? What's he all about, that guy? I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's the, it's the kind of relationship you get into in your 20s when, like, you're not sure who you are. Yeah. <laughs> and he's exactly that. Um, like, when two people are just deeply needy and, like, mutually fulfill that need regardless of actual fit or compatibility. Oh, my God. Are you guys in relationships? Yeah. I thankfully not with an Adam, <laughs> but I and I am single and loving it. Single and loving it. How powerful! Yeah, that? very powerful. I was reminded watching this of like my boyfriend I had in my early twenties, who was absolutely nightmarish, and we would literally be like banging on each other's doors in the middle of the night, like crying, screaming, like nothing made sense for no reason. And I was like, "Wow, you could not pay me to go back to that hell." Not at all. I. I feel like I I felt such relief when Hannah chooses not to squander the opportunity and actually do the reading, but but she, of course like Ray, who I love I love I love, love Ray him. he's the best. Um, <laughs> him like reaching out of are those like sorry this is not like a New York cool question are those basements like what was he in? Yeah, like restaurants will have like their stuff down there. Okay. Like, when he was, like, just reaching his hand out and saying, slim leg, <laughs> I was, like, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I love Ray. Um, But, like, he is also just, like, such a pseudo-intellectual, oh, like, God, yeah. And, of course, he gives her, like, this bad idea about, like, writing about acid rain and death. <laughs> and death. Yeah, what does he say? Like, well, what should I write about? And he says, like, I don't know, like, race issues and cultural criticism and climate crisis or something. And what does he say when he's like, I just love reading books by British women. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) fuck up. Oh, he's horrible. And then Hannah does end up like scrapping her essay about the hoarder. And as we, we pointed to earlier, the, uh, died. What does she say? It's, it's about her like AIM boyfriend and, (laughs) who died yeah he died i love when he says so talk about a a relic of the times he goes put on a cute outfit stop by an american apparel if you have to (laughs) 
Oh my God. I used to always go to the American Apparel on 7th Avenue before improv practice to get little outfits. I, weird, the oh, one God. summer I lived in New York, I had like a disaster at that American Apparel where my shoes, like, I, I think I was in sandals, which was like mistake number one. <laughs> um, but like, I had to run into that American Apparel and buy a pair of flip flops just to get home because like, my shoes just like fell off on the middle of 7th Avenue. Oh my so God. Fun. That's called being in a girl's episode. It was, it was, it was a hellscape of my own making for sure. Beautiful. But we, yeah, I, I felt really sad for, for Hannah here. I know, but it's also like, uh, I'm like, get your act together, girl. Like step it up. Stop complaining. Truly. And I feel like at the reading, it's kind of like poking fun at this like self-serious culture. Like the girl who went before her, (laughs) it's like, what does she say? She's like, she's finishing her essay and she says, maybe we're all just looking for a bathroom. Yeah. I was like, that's (laughs) incredible. I was like, who, yeah. Who pitched that line? Writer's room. It's so funny. Um, No, I kind of, yeah, it is, it is difficult to watch Hannah talk about her writing so much and you never get to, I guess that is, I guess that is being an artist. Yeah. So true. Also, we, we never know, like, we're, it's kind of tempting to equate Hannah to Lena Dunham and think like, oh, her writing is like Lena Dunham's writing, therefore it's good. But Hannah's writing might be really bad. Yeah, I think the general sentiment of the show is we're supposed to assume she's not talented and I think that's like an arc they really do the whole time mm-hmm. right she's someone who can't who doesn't make it as a creative or whatever yeah whether it's like luck or just squandering opportunities or the fact that she's just like not that good and her work is trivial I don't know I guess I always assumed she had yeah I guess maybe I was always like well she writes you know like Lena so she must be amazing yeah but yeah, that was, um, and then when she, le- she leaves the reading, I was wondering, like, she leaves so quickly after she doesn't do well. Mm-hmm. And I was, I thought that was so perfect. Cause I do, when a teacher, if you're, if your professor were to tell you, like, I didn't like that piece, I would start sobbing. And oh sobbing. yeah. <laughs> she, this might be a good segue into Marnie's kind of arc because after the reading, Hannah goes home to the apartment. Mm-hmm. And Marnie and Hannah have been, like, at odds all episode. Like, she's mad at Hannah for giving Adam a key. Mm -hmm. Like, she's – I don't remember – I, like, may have blacked this out when I was watching. Like, was she pro-hoarder essay or anti? She she was anti at first. She kind of echoed the sentiment, like, well, that one's, like – like, it's not – doesn't have that much going on. Like, why don't you do a different one? Right? I think that's what – so, yeah, they're kind of – on each other's bad side the whole episode and then they get in this huge blowout the fight is so good you're a wound you're a wound it's so so well written and like I I mean I feel like friend breakups are sort of having a moment right now like people are really talking about them in the culture but this is such a good friend breakup scene like how people just pick each other apart in such like starting minuscule but going to macro like this like with two friends it's it's just it's such a well-written scene 
I found Hannah intolerable in all this, though. Like, I don't know what y'all thought. Yeah, I, I think her line was so good with her line. I, I guess I don't really care about being a good friend right now. Yeah. I really think good. I saw, like, the worst parts of myself in that moment. I was like, yeah, sometimes it's like, this is way too much, this is way more work than it's worth to be in your life right now. Like, I don't need it. Like, I don't care right now. But it is, it's just so shitty. And like maybe this is just because of, like I'm a l- little bit more anti Hannah than Julia is I think but the when she said no one is ever gonna hate me as much as I hate me that kind of read to me as insincere like I remember that line so much from my well, first watch being like yes like this is like the mantra like this is this is the motto but in context it really feels like Hannah weaponizes her trauma so much as this like safeguard against criticism and this to me felt like insincere self-deprecation yeah I I go back and forth about that because she is committed to whether it's sincere or not she's like committed to that line you know she's she thinks woe is me and you know it's not true that she hates herself so deeply but she is she feels sorry for herself yeah it's such a good line Oh, it really is. And what is Marnie says back, I can think of a million mean things that have never occurred to you. And she says, name one. And she said, well, I wouldn't do that when, you know, saying that in the yeah. first is the mean thing. And, well, uh, I couldn't believe when she was like, you can have this dress, but it might be a little tight. Yes. Oh, I was like, damn, a friend would never, a friend would never. No. They're all just, they're both trying to be the bigger person and they're both losing over and over. Yeah, when Marnie says, I like being around people who know what they want, like, that unfortunately is a line that I've said before in, like, like romantic breakups, not friend breakups, which is psycho, but, like, I mean, like, that was a long time ago. But I, Marnie's, like, fixation on keeping up appearances was just, like, never going to jive with Hannah's, like, complete aimlessness. Like, it's just not, they're just not compatible people. But I forget, like, what happens to their friendship after this season? Because they do become, are they never as close again? I think they rebuild it, but I think they're, in the second season, they have moments where they're like, are we good? What is this? Or, like, where Hannah, or Marnie is more kind of reaching out to Hannah, and Hannah's like, I'm kind of doing my own thing right now. In my head, I I would go on, Catherine. No, no, sorry. In my head, I always just think of the Beach House episode as being, oh. like, final straw for everyone. What so you- good. I was just going to say, I think it's such a perfect um, depiction of, like, a college friendship where you become friends when you're so young and you don't realize how different you are or how different you will become. And so in, watching them grow apart, I'm like, oh, I've had that. I've seen that so many times in real life. Yeah. It's I- Oh, go ahead. No, no, it's, you mentioning the beach house thing reminds me of Shoshana saying everyone's being a dumb whore. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think she says again in <gasps> the finale. Oh, it's so good. Uh, uh, it's also one of um, the argument has one of my favorite lines, which is, you're so selfish, that's why you don't have any friends from preschool. <laughs> oh my God. It's like such a Marnie way to measure selfishness. Right. <laughs> Just burned in my brain. Oh my god, it's 
and I mean, the episode leads with them like just storming off like separately. And that, I mean, that carries into the next episode, but I'm really interested in Jess's storyline, this mm-hmm. episode as well. Cause this really, I kind of forgot about this scene. Me too. Wait, will you remind me what happens right before this? Cause when, when Catherine Hahn shows up, I was like, wait, what's happening? So Jessa gets a random text while they're at the Bushwick party. And she's like, yeah, it's the best party ever come. And then it turns out the guy she's texting is Catherine Hahn's husband. Oh, okay. Who plays him? James Legros. He's in a lot of, like, with Stillman. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but they so, don't hook up, right? They n- don't. No. But, like, he gets, like, punched in the nose and, like, he, like, kind of trauma dumps on Jessa. Right. And then the, in this episode, we see Catherine Hahn kind of um, wanting to forgive Jessa and bring her back, but Jessa doesn't want to. What does she say? She has the dream about how she she says she's still holding on to some anger, um, but she and she knows that because she had a dream where she cut her into little pieces and shit her out, but not all of her, <laughs> or ate her and shit her out, but not all of her. Yeah, I liked her thing at the end where she's like, "You find yourself in these little dramas a lot, you know. What are you, what are you distracting yourself from?" Yeah, like the other, the Jessa line that like really sticks out for me from this episode, and something that like I've carried with me for a long time is her saying that I'm as extremely attracted to everyone for 15 minutes oh. and it wears off. Like so true. So true. Damn, and then. And then here, then she goes and gets married. Spoiler alert. That is a good segue into the next episode. Do I don't okay. even think we need to. I mean, Shosh doesn't have much going on in this episode. She she loves Tally Schifrin and she makes a dating profile. That was so funny. Her being a yeah. Writer, crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the next episode is such is so fucking funny with Hannah and Ray at the coffee shop. Oh yeah, like so for people who may not have watched along like episode 10 starts with Marnie moving out um taking all the furniture and Marnie's like cutting Hannah off cold turkey because she doesn't really see any other way to like fix the situation um and then it's hard to do it's hard to do I was impressed I said Marnie go you go girl truly it's you know Hannah's parents did it first and now Marnie so both Marnie and Hannah are kind of in this, you know, raw place right now, kind of both aimless in different ways. And then Jessa is shoots out a text to everyone, inviting them to a surprise event, quote unquote, the most important of her life. I think that's what she says. Um, and it turns out to be her wedding. So I think maybe let's start with Jessa's journey. Well, we have to talk about the name Thomas John. Oh, my so God. funny. It's perfect. Yeah. And like, how did they originally meet him again? I know they had the threesome scene, but where did they meet him? At the threesome scene, basically. Like, he buys Marnie and Jessa drinks from across the bar. Oh, and then tries to like seduce him at home while like he's like DJing. It's, it's really (laughs) special. Like, electric scene. Um, I loved 
the like set dressing and accoutrements for this wedding like this like insane boho wedding oh my god of course like I don't see Jessa as a bridezilla necessarily but every single little bit of this like from the venue to the decor like you know she was like all in on it which I think kind of speaks like she is this like devil may care kind of girl but at the end of the day like she is very exacting and like what she wants and how to get it I mean that's capricious in a lot of ways but like she definitely is the kind of person who would like really plan a wedding out I feel like yeah that that scene where she's on the toilet and what does she say Hannah's like do you feel like a a grown-up and she's like yeah (laughs) yeah like she has no idea she's just kind of like she thinks this is what the next step is I think it's like you know kind of after the Catherine Hahn thing when Catherine Hahn was like you need to grow up basically she's like okay this is a way to do it yeah she's just totally flailing and she's like it's like instead of doing the work on yourself which requires so much boring bullshit and time it's like I'll just do something big and dramatic and that'll and see what happens yeah like putting a husband on like a band-aid that's gonna solve (laughs) everything (gasps) oh my god Shout out to Bobby Moynihan as the uh, the officiant. He's he's honestly perfect. I know it felt very. <laughs> and and um, Marnie laughing so much at him, I was obsessed with that. Her, he's so funny. Like it, wow. It was like, and once again, like we need to give Allison Williams her props because like her portrayal of like over compensatory laughter was just like unreal I don't know why she has a reputation for being like not great on this show because I think she's like probably the best actor on the show Mm. besides Adam besides Adam Driver they're all so good she I thought yeah she's really good in the show I the best actor on this show oh my god that's a tough question Julia what do you think I my first instinct was Adam Driver but maybe it's just because I love him so much, but I, I, I think it might be Adam Driver. He plays a freak so well. I know, and it's also like the way he plays it, I feel like they didn't know what they were getting, you know, until he started reading the script. And then they're like, oh my God, he's made this character that I, I feel you couldn't even picture that necessarily until you have him in place, which is the best kind of performance. A singular performer. He also, with, with Lena Dunham, she's not playing herself, but almost. And I feel like Adam Driver is just a complete, like, you have no idea who he is. What is his personality in real life, I wonder? He's I, hot. I mean, from everything I can tell from, like, reading profiles, he is this, like, intense method, mm-hmm. like, carpenter guy. Like, I, I don't I don't think he's, like, that far off from the Adam we see on the show. Really? I I mean, it also is, like, a testament to how good the writing and the acting all around is on the show, that, like, I see actors from this and other things, and I can't help but think, like, oh, that's Jessa, oh, that's Hannah, like, I mean, well, it's hard for Lena to not be, like, just Lena and everything, but it's, it is really impressive, I think. Zasha is so good, too, we have to give her props. Yeah. Really making me howl this episode <laughs> i know with the white dress oh my god uh, yeah i that i have known because nobody told me <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I feel like I, so like historically, I thought that the white dress thing was not, a, you know, it wasn't like, like a real, like modern thing people cared about. But I, like, I went to a gay wedding back in April and the grooms had like a kickball game because they met playing gay kickball. Um, and I wore all white to the kickball game, not really remembering it was a wedding because I was trying to do like Wimbledon or something. Uh-huh, chic. <laughs> chic. Um, and I got uh, a stern talking to from one of the groom's moms being no. like, shouldn't have done oh this. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> I mean, like, it was, it was like said with love, I think, but, um, no, people, people do like care about this and I just had no idea. Just no idea. Wow. I feel like it also just shows like Shoshana's kind of, you know, need for control and understanding every situation. And this is one she just absolutely can't understand. So she has this breakdown. <laughs> I also feel like it's so sad when Marty moves in and she's like, stay forever. Like she just wants so badly to like be liked and have people treat her well. Yeah, I... This is another episode where she goes, everyone's a dumb whore. Everyone's a dumb whore. Well, she's, no. not, she's not wrong. No. What do you think about the, the relationship between her and Ray? I So sweet. I do too. Me too. And what does she say? Stay out of my emotional way. I think oh, she, that is the best line. Right. She's like yeah. afraid of it and afraid of the intimacy, but... And then Halo starts playing the minute she says it. It's like the soundtrack and the needle drops on the show are so well calibrated. I thought it was so cringe watching Hannah and Adam like dance at the wedding. I'm like, I haven't, I feel nothing romantic about them. I agree. Yeah, I feel like this is her just detaching herself from the relationship. I really liked watching Marnie bust to move on like I think it was like dancing with Ray or something but she I like I love seeing Marnie let loose the one thing I want to give like little props to with Hannah and Marnie like I've I like the costume design on this show a lot just because I think whoever's doing it does such a good job like conveying the characters through clothing and having Hannah and Marnie both wear white dresses with orange accents I thought was such a good way to like show the parallel between characters like they may be having the schism right now but they're still like simpatico wow that's nice Hannah's clothes in this show are so bad I can't believe it truly Marnie was a wild time this was before high-waisted pants really came into play (laughs) yeah like Jess's macrame wedding dress was such a like Coachella nightmare to me, but and the veil too, like, oh boy. But honestly, she's just so, so chic at anything she puts on. I'm like absolutely queen. That is true. And when she insists on throwing the garter. Yes. And what about we have to? I love the the J Lo at the Grammys dig from Andrew Reynolds. <laughs> oh like, what is Marnie's hair here? She has like these crunchy gel curls (laughs) she's in breakup mode she's doing whatever it takes she is I feel like yeah Marnie is kind of almost coming into herself in this episode do you think do you guys having now watched the whole season again is there a favorite line that sticks out because mine when I saw Andrew Reynolds I was like oh the best line of all girls is your dad's gay bye (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> that's, that's really up there for me. I think it might be um, Adam Driver picking up the phone and going, uh, what up, skank? Getting that pussy pounded? It's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I forgot about that. That's insane. True. I think I'm I think I'm with Julia on this one for sure. Um I mean like we we it's not like a laugh line, but like the line that really gets me every time is like I don't think I'm I think I'm like the voice of the generation or like I'm the voice of a generation. Like I just it is such like a good summation of what this show does while still being this kind of like rueful laugh line at the same time. Oh, Oh, I also love, I, I guess I, not thinking about it, I guess I've rewatched like the first two a couple of times recently because I, when they're making um, the opium tea and she says, it, I thought it tastes like Twix. <laughs> no, Twigs. <laughs> so funny. But I, I'm trying to remember because Ray had another line in this, in his like coffee shop moment, not the blood on the breast because that was making me laugh, howl laughing. But there was another line in that same like speech that he said that was so good, but it, it escapes me at this moment. Let me see if I wrote it down because he was, what did it say? I don't know. He says something about like expecting every, like, what does he say? Hold on. You're begging the world to fuck with you. Yeah, that felt, yeah. that was such a classic. The know. other Ray line from that episode that like really bears fruit in the finale is like, what in the world could be more trivial than intimacy? Yeah. And then immediately he like he and Shoshana had this like deep love connection. Ah, uh, I don't like that line. Exactly, it's like he's the total opposite end of the spectrum from Hannah, who's like, well, that's literally all there is. But I also don't think he means it though. Like he is. Like, he really presents himself as this, like, lord of the coffee shop pseudo-intellectual. And I think that, like, just like Hannah says all these things that, like, she thinks, like, a real, like, urbane woman would say. Like, he says things that, like, I don't know, like, some philosopher really likes. Like Totally. He reminds me of many people I've lusted after. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's such a, like, Brooklyn archetype. I one time saw him talking on the phone in Williamsburg. Shout out. Oh, I cannot believe it has taken me this long to share this on the pod. But when I first moved to LA in 2017, I saw Ray and like Adam Driver in real life at a bar across the street from my house getting drinks together. It was, it was like, I, I couldn't believe it. That's incredible. You know, actually, I meant to say the, so remember in the, the episode where she's doing the reading and that old woman comes up to her and like says that thing, it's not a question. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I, I had the pleasure of working with that actress on an indie film and her name's Sandra James and she, she was incredible. Oh my God. Shout out. She yeah. is, shout out. I think we wrote that line down too. Cause that delivery is perfect. Yeah. It's so like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it was so good. What is that, like, that reading thing? That I'm like, does that happen? Like, is that an event that happens? Definitely, but yeah. there's something about that one that seems so unreal, just the way it's, like, in this tiny library room and there's, a like, classical music playing. It, it doesn't feel... It was very heightened. Like, I used to, like... 
Oh, yeah, in L, like I'm like uncovering something here, but like when I was in LA, I used to go to my actor friends, like they had monologue parties every so often where they would just like do scenes for each other. And I sat in on a few, like I'm not an actor, but it, this was giving me that. Wow. Yeah. Getting back to the wedding. Um, the wedding where, where it all went down. I feel like each girl's kind of response to the wedding is like just so true to where their character is, you know, like I feel like Marnie is kind of desperate to get out of who she was and not be so caught up with, you know, her past relationship and show she's like totally frozen by it. And then Hannah's also like realizing maybe she doesn't want to be with Adam. And yeah, I love his thing where he's like, you chase, what does he say? You chase me like a stalker for six months. Now you don't want me. Yeah. I was like, that is how I was with everyone for so long. Yeah. It's oh. like Adam is so all or nothing. And then Hannah, like, you know, gets the stable thing, but now she sees it, it's like, oh, that's actually boring. And I want to be this like, you know, crazy girl on the town. Yeah, and I guess at the end of the season, it's just you see everyone in Hannah's life, she, Hannah pushing everyone away from her, or everyone's has pushed themselves away, and she's all alone. Yes, eating cake on the beach. Oh my, when she, when, when she asked those girls on the roof, like, where am I? <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that was such a perfect end to the season, just yeah. getting her purse stolen after falling asleep on the train, something you're like, you know this is you know you never do that oh my god just like she's constantly shooting herself in the foot the beach scene was so well shot like this is the first and only time this season i've actually cried at the show like it it's just such a perfect like capper to everything that's gone on and like i don't it just it was so beautiful like it felt like an elegy oh it, I, I'm like, it makes me want to rewatch the rest of the whole show, but I'm like, I guess I, sh- I guess I should live my life. <laughs> you but should. It's, it's a really good like fall comfort show. Totally. Yeah, it no, is like really emotionally great. gruesome, but it is definitely cozy somehow. It's very much like I'm just I see like each character, <laughs> I'll see like little slivers of my own bad behaviors in the actions of each character, and I'm like, oh fuck, that's so, oh no, it's too close to home. Right. Watching girls as exposure therapy. It really is. I'm like, I'm a girl. I'm a dumb girl, too. I'm a dumb whore, too. I relate. I How do we think, what do we feel like it was as a season ender? Like, do we think it was satisfying? Yeah, big, big choices all around. Someone's hit by a car. Someone gets married. I'm like, let's fucking go. I feel like it was a lot to happen in one episode. Like, after all these kind of episodes of navel gazing and I, I can't tell if that was intentional just to kind of shove it all into one episode it does feel very true to life like especially when you're in your early mid-20s to like have these periods of boredom surrounding like a big like cataclysmic event that like shakes everything up and then you just go right back into like a status quo mm. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. 
I thought all the, like, this was, like, a very thematically neat episode, though. I liked how all the arcs got resolved at this one location. Like, I guess that's kind of classic TV comedy writing. Like, I mean, it's, it is a little, like, sitcom-y, but, like, I don't know. I was very satisfied by all of it. Me too. I, I loved it. It was a treat. True treat. Hannah, like, having her cake and eating it, too, on the beach. And, like, I feel like it sets us up for um, the next season well. Like, she's still sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. What does happen when we see her again? So I watched the first five minutes of the next episode. And this mm-hmm. is the, the first two episodes of season two are the Donald Glover episodes. Oh, yeah. Which are a little less successful, I would say, than yeah. stuff yeah. that before it. Definitely starting with uh, a bold decision. But I, I feel like this um, this season, we just see the characters going through, you know, a lot has changed, but they're still kind of the same gals they've been. Yeah. Hannah's, like, starting to see her actions have consequences, and, you know, Jess is making the pivot to, like, settling down, but not really. Show she loses her virginity, girl. Let's go, girly. Yes. Oh, my God. I love Ray and Shosh. I know. They're perfect. I hate Wait. when Ray and Marnie get together later. I know. it's It It doesn't make sense. No. Oh. I don't think we asked you, who is your girl's boyfriend? I mean, it's got to be. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I've always been upset. I mean, honestly, it, it was. I honestly was proud of myself watching it this Watching it last night, I was like, oh, I'm no longer drawn to Adam's, like, weirdness and his quirkiness. I actually think he's an asshole and, like, selfish and fucking annoying. But I used to be, obviously, he's hot as hell. Yeah. That's gross. But you know what I love? Is is season one Booth Jonathan? Yes. (laughs) That stuff is so amazing and hot. I was always like, yes, make me jerk off at the gallery show. He's also, he's just a, he's a short king in this I feel like he he oozes sex appeal. I love him. You're much yeah, That storyline is one of my faves. I think he comes back in season two as well. He, I think he does. Yeah. Who are your Who are your girls' boyfriends? Mine. Mine's Adam. Yeah. Uh, obviously, but oh. you know, I think like Adam Ray Cusp, but definitely Adam. Oh yeah, I do love Ray, but I don't know. Usually, I would say Ray. This episode, I was very into Charlie, though. Oh, I love this. That was so hot. So yeah, just fuck me on the sink. I'm like, let's like let's make it happen, team. <laughs> really. Also, just like hard to, hard to listen to all that and then to have Marnie just shut it down. Oh. So I did kind of. I know, like maybe the show is trying to make us think that like Marnie's making a bad choice by hooking up with Bobby Moynihan but I actually think it's a really good thing for her character to have these like this spontaneous hook up with like someone that doesn't necessarily meet her like really exacting standards like that actually feels like character growth for me totally I was like oh Marnie is like enjoying her single her singlehood yeah, and she clearly has a thing for these kind of weird, corny guys. It reminds me of the episode when she was all over Thomas John, kind of making these horrible jokes and playing mashups. <laughs> Thomas John. So good. Uh, I think we can get into the final segment, unless we have any other um, 
notes on these two episodes. Let's do it. Yeah. We usually go around and say which girl we are in these two episodes. So if you want to start, Kat. Mm. Okay. Wow. In the in episode nine, I don't feel like I'm a Hannah because I wouldn't have acted the way she did about the reading. I hated that behavior. Um, I'm not Marnie because I'm a bad roommate and I, I wouldn't have paid for my roommate and cleaned up all her shit. It's almost like, am I simply, am I simply a soch because I'm just like out there in the world? But maybe I'm, <laughs> you guys are like, get on with it. Um, oh, no, I maybe I'm like, I did resonate with the Jessa thing of like, do you find yourself in these sort of imaginary dramas because you want something to be happening to you and you're afraid of becoming like someone who's actually happy? So I actually think in the first episode, I'm a Jessa. And then in the second, I'm a Hannah, unfortunately. I think that's a good answer. I feel like I I have never felt like Jessa, unfortunately. (laughs) She's like who you want to feel like, and she's... Not always, though. She can be stubborn. Drew, do you want to go? Yeah, I... I mean, you know what I'm going to say. I really feel like my insecurities line up with Marnie's insecurities so neatly that it's kind of hard not to. Um, though I do, I did feel kind of Jesse in the, in episode nine. Cause like I do sort of have that like first 15 minutes, like intoxicating rush with people. And then it goes a little sideways, like not with everyone, but like that really hit, hit with me a lot. I feel like, I am, I think I have this answer most weeks. I, my past self was definitely Hannah, like kind mm-hmm. of just like, woe is me while you squander opportunities for yourself and just, you know, feeling jealous of your peers um, and being like 13 pounds overweight and saying this is really <laughs> hard for me, <laughs> but like not knowing real struggle. And then I'm glad we all had different answers for that, but I think we should now rank the girls. We usually go from like who's on top, who is winning this week and who is down in the dump. Oh, I mean, I think Hannah's in the dump and I think like Shosh is doing well. She's getting laid. Marnie is kind of sticking up for herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's almost exactly what we both wrote down. Um, Shosh is on top. She's, like, minding her own business and having sex. And calling people dumb whores with no repercussions. (laughs) We just, it's total triumph. Totally. Big week for Shosh, especially after she, um, you know, I don't know, she was kind of lurking in the background of this season. She didn't have a lot going on, but... I love her her triumph here. And Marnie's standing up for herself, like you said. And then, yeah, Hannah and Jess are kind of um, floundering. Misguided. Misguided. Oh. Wow, this was so much fun. This is like the two perfect episodes to... Well, oh, I was so... It was so fun watching them and like just remembering how how much I love it and how, how much it's informed, like what I try to do and what people I like do. And yeah, it was just, it was so fun to chat about it. 
Thank you so yeah. much for coming on. This was great. We'll have to, I feel like there are some other episodes. Totally. Well, now that I have the Spotify live app, <laughs> possibilities are endless. Get the plug. They really are. I, we were talking to George who came on last week about coming back for the, um, the North Fork beach episode. So maybe we can wow. have to go on and do a big round table. Ooh, the summit. Cause like, Oh, you know what you reminded me of? Have you guys read, I remember years ago, Michelle Collins, one of my dear friends and favorite comedian, she used to do these girls recaps. I don't know what website it was for, but they were the funniest fucking things in the world. We, you, you guys should find some of the old ones. Wait, that yeah, was my like on. little project tonight and go back and do that. Cause I, I used, they're so funny. The recaps I used to read back in the day were the girls AV club recaps, which I want to find the writer really quickly so I can actually like properly credit i believe it's emily vanderworth but those were like this is just such a good show to write about and provoke so much good you know like writing and like think pieces back in the day even though like the discourse is kind of annoying but like (laughs) you do there's a lot to chew on with these episodes and i like that like i think one of the best things about girls is lena just gives you so much to actually think about and reckon with yourself about um in like grounded ways it's not like watching breaking bad where like i mean that shows there's a lot of real emotion on that show too i'm not saying there isn't but it's a lot like breaking girls is a lot breaking bad (laughs) (laughs) i can definitely identify myself more with like hannah than like meth teacher i actually haven't seen breaking bad so that probably wasn't like (laughs) it's also a great show but it's um yeah totally totally um different (laughs) Kat, do you want to plug anything before we go? Oh my god. Um, just listen to my podcast, Seek Treatment, and watch my Netflix special. It's called The Twist. She's gorgeous. Thank you so much, Kat. This was amazing. And we thank y'all will- for having me. It was so nice to chat with you both and see your little pictures light up green. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, everyone. Bye, every beautiful listener. I love you forever. XOXO. Mwah. Ciao. Bye, team. Like what you just heard? Go to the show notes and whatever podcast app you're listening to this on and click the donation link.